Matthew J. Lapore, and I am on with a good friend who I can finally have on after months, <laughs> Roman Mustachio. He is a, uh, I'd say on with everyone, a, a connoisseur. He goes to Drexel. You're, mm-hmm. uh, you're not only a student, um, but you are a massive power lifter. Um, dude, it, I, I, there's, a, there's, there's a good video. I'll put it out so you guys can see it. Um, uh, you giving me how to do leg drive, my own personal <laughs> video. <laughs> I remember that. On, on how yeah. to do all that. Um, but yeah, dude, we've been trying to do this for a while. Then you got busy with school, I got busy, mm-hmm. and then now you text me like, "Let's let's do this thing," and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude, I'm stealing you whenever I can." I think you had reached out in November, which was right before the stretch of the holidays, which yeah, you're just good. kills me every dude, year. Dude, you're trust busy. me, you're fine. It, it's all good. <laughs> I totally get it. But now that we finally have you on. Um, so we'll start with school, and then we'll kind of progress mm-hmm. down. But you and I are already talking. Yeah, we've been lifting for talking <laughs> shit for like half an hour already. <laughs> yeah. So- yeah. Well, it's nice because not everyone like so people will like. Um, I had uh, this woman Kelly Smith. She's mm-hmm. big into lifting and fitness. Um, but I do notice the different conversations that I have with people who just lift. Yeah. Compared to people who like compete. Yeah. And it's the it, sometimes well, they don't fully understand like what I'm talking about. Yeah, there, it, I think the best way to put it is there's a difference between working out and training, yeah. right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. But that's also not to say that I like at heart I'm not not a meathead right like so i am i, I like a, yeah. like even if i didn't compete yeah. like it, me and one of my training partners talk about this all the time like when i'm 60 and i can't get my arms under a straight bar anymore like i'm still gonna be lifting weights yeah you know? like it's yeah. fun i like it yeah so but do i competing is icing on the cake like i love competing i like lifting weights i love competing mm-hmm. and people don't understand the bite that you get to after a meet <laughs> like don't. it's yeah. like i um w- when i did beer muscles uh uh anthony rhodes i don't know if you know him um, he he moved, but he came to come watch me, mm-hmm. and he hasn't competed in like a year, or a year and a half, and he was just there, and he goes, I got to compete, dude. And yeah. he signed up for a meet. So, like, <laughs> people don't understand the bite you get, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about school and what it's mm-hmm. like being, like, a student athlete, because I'll still consider you an athlete. Because, <laughs> dude, like, people don't understand. Like, it is. It, it, is, a, it yeah. is a thing you have to train. You have – there's prep. There's mm-hmm. – there's um, – technique there's all this stuff like you might not be running a 40 yard dash but it, it's just different right it's different like the russians would call it special strengths like it's just different attributes yeah. that you're training yeah. um but yeah I'm a, I'm a finance major at drexel uh it's obviously in in west philly uh i live in media with my girlfriend so i just take the train to the city right now i'm on a co-op which is like an internship yeah. with a, a real estate development company and i'm taking like one class over over these two semesters but i'm about to go back into full-time classes which not looking forward to, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're not going to have time to train, dude. No, I'm going to have time to train. That's, <laughs> I, I made sure of that part. No, uh, that's cool. So yeah. so, what is, so what does your internship look like? Like, like what are you doing on like a regular day? Uh, well, it's it's fully remote. The company is based out of Southwest Florida. Um, they're a real estate developer. I'm mostly – well, I manage the intern team, which is yeah. pretty cool. I've been – I actually – my first co-op was with them. I'm listening. I'm, listening. I'm just going to check that. You're good. Oh, you're good. I'm yeah. Um, I had kind of rolled that first internship with them part-time over the semester uh and i i started working with them again i kind of took lead of the intern intern team and um yeah i mean it's it's mostly like capital acquisition stuff we're looking for different kinds of uh, lending equity and debt whatnot so So is that what you want to do or do you just want to do because i remember you said something to me like a year year and a half ago you're like i just want to be able to work and make just enough money that's to the always train. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate goal is to like afford the lifestyle that I want to live, which yeah. is competing in multiply powerlifting. Yeah. Right. Like that's and whether that's training with my current crew or wherever wherever life takes me as far yeah. as jobs go and wherever I end up living or 
building my own my own place. Again, it, it's just dependent on how the cards fall. But as long as competing is in the picture, I I will be happy and fulfilled in life. Yeah, so. are you gonna start your own West Side Barbell? <laughs> be the next Louis Simmons? I think that's that's much too uh too high of of praise for me. But I think I would it. I would love to, I I think that would be awesome. Like the yeah. the point of I guess like having a crew like what you know. The owner of Deathwish Barbell, Ralph Talati, what he's done, and I've been lucky enough to be a part of. Like yeah. having something like that would be awesome. <clears throat> Staying with that would be awesome. But any kind of multiplied crew, it's it's fun. I like that kind of community, that kind of style of training and competing, and yeah. how you know I think multiply is really cool, and that you get to train in crews all the time, or you should at least, yeah, you necessarily get to. But. Well, one thing that I always see when you post about it is like you go, it takes a village. It does. So it does. that was one thing. That, like with Strawman, it's the same way, um, but. When you say that, right, and I'm not just talking about school, I'm just saying like just just straight <clears throat> like lifting. Like, what does that look like when when you say it takes a village? Like, how does that look for you on like a meet day? Well, to first describe that, you kind of got to understand what multiply powerlifting is, right? Uh, it, or equipped powerlifting in general, as opposed to raw powerlifting, which is squat, bench, and deadlift in a singlet, right? Yeah. Um, multiply powerlifting, you'll have. Briefs, squat suits, bench shirts, deadlift suits, um, knee wraps, wrist, like all that kind of stuff. And um, as opposed to single ply where it's one layer of it, multiply is multiple layers of yeah. it, right? Multi-ply, referring to the, the plies of equipment you're allowed to wear. Um, and that's, I kind of view it as like the final frontier of extreme powerlifting. They call it like, like people refer to it as like top fuel, right? Yeah. Um, because as much as, you know, the gear allows you to lift more weights. Every layer of equipment you put on makes the competition lift harder to perform with submaximal weights, right? So, like, uh, bench shirts are a great example, yeah. right? Um, you know, even, like, a tight enough single ply or a, a two- or three-ply shirt, it takes a certain amount of weight to be able to bring that bar down to touch. Mm -hmm. And you can argue <clears> about, you know, you should be proficient enough to touch whatever percent you want to at max. The fact of the matter is the material fights you down. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, so you have to be... You have to have the knowledge of that equipment to know what it's going to take to touch. You yeah. have to have the skill and the proficiency to not only manipulate the shirt to touch where you want it to and what you want to touch, um, but you also have to have the strength to handle, say, two or 300 pounds in some cases, more than what you could bench raw. And that's, that's very difficult for, you know, your forearms to handle. So yeah. think, you know, say you're 315 raw bencher, right? That's not, you know, a, a too, too crazy of a number or anything for most people to fathom. Well, you put on a bench shirt and say you're trying to bench 600 now. So think about, you know, yes, the bench shirt supports your pecs, supports your shoulders. But think about what it's not covering. Think about what it's not supporting. Yeah, your your wrist, hips have to be able to stabilize oh, yeah, that. Your back has to be able to stabilize that. Your forearms, your wrists, all that kind of stuff. And then as you keep adding multiple layers of equipment, not only does it get, you know, harder to touch, bigger weights that you're handling, but the margin of error gets smaller, right? Mm. So like every layer of material you're adding – like the touch point in the shirt, how much leniency you have back and forth. Yeah. The the difference between a successful press and a dump gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And again, when you think about how much you're magnifying the weights you're putting yeah, on there, yeah, that's yeah. 600 pounds getting thrown at your neck or getting dumped towards your feet. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrifying, scary. but it's, yeah. it's fun at the same time. So, so how did you get into multiply? Like, like, I remember you told me your story, like when you were, because you lived in China. For, I did. I lived in Beijing for two years. So, so when you were there, I remember you were like, when you came back, you just got like sucked into lifting. Yeah. So how did that start? You come, you come back from Beijing. All right, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll run you from the top of yeah. of me getting into go for it. You know, strength sports. But so before I had moved to China, I played baseball and I had wrestled. That was how we met. Was yes. like in seventh grade. Yes. I was a wrestler. I think you were a freshman at that time in yeah. high school playing football. And um, 
I liked I liked wrestling, but I didn't love wrestling. I liked being in shape and yeah. being strong. Strong. I know what you mean. Because yeah. right? in seventh grade, I weighed seventy five pounds. So <laughs> yeah, how, you were small. How, how strong can you be weighing seventy five pounds? Um, but so then I. Then my world gets turned on its head. I moved to China for two years. Well, there's no wrestling over there, and baseball is not very competitive. And the culture of sports in a, a, a British school is just very different. It's yeah. not it's not as competitive. It's more, you know, kind of play everything, enjoy athletics, which yeah. is cool. Um, but then, you know, we get word that we're going to get sent home a year early. Um, so I start thinking to myself, like, if I don't make a change, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to keep getting bullied for being skinny, mm-hmm. keep being bullied for being weak, yeah. and just, you know, like – I have the opportunity to start lifting weights and come home at yeah. least a little bigger, give myself a fighting shot. Because I'm going back to American high school, which is very different than like a very prissy, rich international school. Yeah. And um, so I start lifting weights, and I'm like, at first I'm like, you know, this will get me in good shape to come back and wrestle. And then I'm like, well, shit, you know, I'm having a lot more fun doing this than I mm-hmm. ever did yeah. playing any other sport. Yep, and yep, I, yep. I got bit by the iron bug, right? So then I uh, come is that back. called the iron bug? Well, yeah, I've heard it called that by okay. a few people. Yeah, um, I mean, like, to stop you, but go ahead. Yeah, but... Then I uh, then I come back and I'm still you know I'm just I'm lifting weights just to lift and I, I first kind of fell into bodybuilding because that's I feel like a pretty public strength sport like yeah. people know about it like mm-hmm. Arnold and whatnot mm-hmm. pumping iron. Um, then I meet uh, Caleb McLeod at our okay. high school. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, no, yeah. I, I know him. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. good friend of mine, great dude. And at the time I was a sophomore, no, I was a junior in high school, and he tells me he's like, hey, I did a powerlifting meet. And I was like, mm. I was, I, that didn't even sound like a real word to me. Like, I thought he made it up. Like, power lifting. I'm like, that's the most, like, masculine word I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what is this? He tells me about it, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So I went home that night, and I signed up for a meet. Like, I <laughs> I literally – I love that. I got yeah. home from school. I said, hey, Mom and Dad, I think I found a sport I want to try. And they are like, okay. So I, I literally – I Googled powerlifting meets near me, and – I to the, any powerlifters listening and that know me like I signed up for a USAPL meet, which is very a very foreign thing for me to say now because oh, I've man. I've much went past that. Yeah. Um. But I, I did a I I <clears throat> signed up for a meet. I think I was like ten weeks out, and um I did it and I had like the the second I got my first squat pass, uh I was like I want to do this every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like I was like I want to if I could I would compete every yeah. Day. Like this is so much fun. Um. And I I was I was hooked. Um. So yeah, then but getting into multiply was a little bit of a different process, right? So I, I've gotten into powerlifting now, and I'm like, I love this. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. And I didn't know like what any kind of long term goals were, but I was like, I just want to keep doing it. Sure, so yeah, I went yeah. to um, War. You remember Warhouse Gym? Yeah. Oh, which was a, that a a cool spot in PA for a while. Yeah. Um, I did the Warhouse. I so I did a I did a meet in East Stroudsburg. USAPL, then I did the USAPL Warhouse meet, and that qualified me for Raw Nationals. Mm-hmm. Went to Raw Nationals, and at that point, I was pretty disenfranchised with the USAPL. I was like, not competing in, in the USAPL or IPF circuit Everyone anymore. Everyone always says that. They, yeah. I hear that just, all the time. Just the uh, the stringentness and how much it feels like they fight you from lifting more weight, right? Like, yep. Yep. using all power bars, not letting you tuck your feet or lift your head on bench. And it's like, I thought the point of this sport was to lift more weight. Why are we trying to take away even easy the, ways to do even that? Even the whole fat pad thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole – yeah, mm-hmm. it gets me all torqued up. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. By, by that point, I'm done with the USAPL. I, by this point, you know, about senior year of high school um, – actually, a little before that. Sorry, I should go back. You're good. Junior year of high school, I'm prepping for Raw Nationals at this point, and – uh, Westside versus the world comes out 
and yep. I was like, mm-hmm. this is a powerful documentary. This is super cool. I kind of knew what West Side was. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you are wearing a West Side shirt. But um, when that came out, I had a hernia at the time, and mm. I had surgery on it. So I was out for like two weeks. Mm. And before the movie had come out, I had bought the book of methods, but I hadn't had time to read it. And then I was like, okay, well, I've got two weeks to do nothing. And um, I saw West Side versus the World, and I was like, I have book of methods. I got to start reading this. Yeah, uh-huh. I think I read it like ten times in really? the two weeks that I was, you know. And <clears> that <throat> started me training conjugate. But the kind of consequence of that was West Side versus the World exposed me to what gear was because I didn't know what it was yeah. before, mm-hmm. like briefs mm-hmm. and squat suits and bench shirts. Like I, yeah. I didn't like I looked at Inzer's website before because I had an Inzer belt, but I didn't understand like how you competed with it or how it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of introduced I'm, that's kind of how I am a lot of the time. I just don't yeah. know how to compete with it. Yeah, I can explain it to you if you want, but um, going through, like, that exposed me to it, but I was in high school, I didn't have the money, gear's really expensive, if you don't know, and I yeah. arguably still can't afford it at times, but <laughs> you, you make it work, the community yep. helps you a lot. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I, I'm training conjugate, but I'm still lifting raw, I get to senior year of high school, I've done raw nationals, I've kind of jumped ship to the USPA, then COVID hits, right? Mm, yeah. And the world shut down. The gym is shut down, uh, which sucked. I'm training in my basement, lifting buckets of rocks and using all the bands I have and trying not to strangle myself with them. Yeah. And then I start door dashing. And I remember those days. Over COVID, me, yeah. that was a cash cow. Yes. And the first thing I thought was, I could buy a pair of briefs with this money. <laughs> because, like, I had extra cash laying around because yeah. DoorDash was making you so much money yeah. doing that. And then I bought briefs, and I was like, I, I squatted them once, and I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Then I got a bench shirt, and that rocked my world. I was like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. Um, and then I finally got a squat suit, and I it just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. I did a meet. Mm-hmm. I met the people at Deathwish Barbell. I, I found a crew, which was incredible, like a, a proper crew. I went to college. I was able to start training with them full time, and it just, it, it just went from there. And oh, now I'm awesome. here. <laughs> Dude, that's that's that is that is a really good story, and I love that. And what was Thanks. nice is that that whole DoorDash thing too. That was the same way. I'm like, nah, I have money for meats. That that was the gateway for me mm-hmm. to to afford gear, right? Because like, dude, they're expensive. Dude, I don't know if you know this. Uh, the, the gear I bought from Inzer, what like, briefs were 150 dollars. Yeah, bench shirt was 300. dollars I think they're at 200 now. Probably. Yeah. Which is funny because Preds got even worse since I bought them. Really? Um, yeah. Don't buy new gear from Inzer. And uh, an LUP, a Leviathan Ultra Pro, the lace-up squat suit, is like $400. So to a high schooler who, at the time, his job got shut down and he was door dashing, it's a lot of fucking money. Um, but before that, especially when I was working part-time at Home Goods and my schedule was, you know, did not allow me to work as much because I was in class, like, that that was impossible. That was a pipe dream. Yeah. And usually, to, to give credit where it's due to the multiply community um, – because it's a very tight knit, a lot of people will give you free gear, right? Okay. Used gear, which, by the way, if you're if you're looking to get into multiply, used gear is far and away the best gear because breaking in new gear sucks. Yeah, um, it's tough. It it does not want to work with you. The and yeah. it, well, the bites they never stop. But um, the the thing with being a beginner is you don't know what you like yet. Mm-hmm. Different cuts of gear, and it's a very big investment to like not know if something's going to work for you right so does that happen often work all the time really yeah and it it changes with your weight right so um like my brief situation my my squat briefs i had a pair of titan super boss 
okay. SWAT briefs. And yeah, yeah. They were tanks. I actually just sent them to a buddy of mine down in Virginia, Paul Stein. He's getting some use out of them. Um, but the legs were really short, and that didn't uh... work well for me, right? And once I went from 181 to 198, I could no longer get them all the way up into my crotch. Yeah. And they would fold in a weird way, and I couldn't sit back as oh, hard anymore. Shit. Well, that screwed my squad over. So not only did, you know, I had these briefs that were expensive and custom made and really strong. They kind of didn't work for a while, but I was able to get some use out of them. Then I gained weight and everything changed. Well, guess what? That's $250 down the drain, right? That's $250 spent on a piece of custom made gear for you that takes months to get in. Who did, the, who, who did those briefs again? Titan. Titan. And that's Titan, that's Titan, not Titan. to knock Titan's gear. It's just not a cut that works for me yeah. based on the length of my femurs yeah. and and how they are. I like a bit of a longer leg in my brief, get more support in the hamstring. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those things that you don't know until you get into gear and you start to understand that. Yeah. So you can quickly see how if you're buying new gear left and right, that's thousands of dollars down the drain on trying to find a pair of briefs that works for you. Yo, I never thought about that. Yeah. However, um, far and away, the best thing you can do if you're trying to get into gear is go on Facebook Marketplace. There's people Oh, who, yeah, that's smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, not only <clears throat> selling used gear for much cheaper um, – even though gear holds its value pretty well if you don't destroy it. Um, Unless it's oh. from metal. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that on a, yeah. on a podcast anymore. Listen, man, it's unadulterated, but... Listen, Ano, Ano is... Quickest uh, way to get canceled. He's a pretty racist guy, apparently. Uh, I didn't follow Finnish politics too closely before 2020, but apparently he's a bit of a hot-button topic over there. Same thing happened with CrossFit, too. Yeah. Yeah. CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he lost his whole thing. But mm-hmm. I, listen, I don't want to sidetrack you. No, you. But can. go ahead. But yeah, I just thought but... it was funny. Like it, it holds its, uh, it holds its value. And I was like, I remember when metal was like. So when the metal thing happened, people could not give that gear away. Like, yeah. And there was a bunch of people who were like, I'm new to gear. I don't know if I'm going to compete in it yet. Just give it to me, and I'll spray paint over the logo. Like that's a. And in most federations, like. The, the good feds, at least, understand that this is expensive and it's an investment, and they were pretty much just like, listen, don't buy new metal gear, but if you have metal gear and you want to compete in it, just tape over the logo. Something like that, right? Because, again, like, you're still looking at a $450 squat suit, and if you just, like, if you bought a $450 metal canvas squat suit and Anno tweets that, first of all, you didn't say anything. You had yeah. no idea. Or if you don't, if you have no idea, if you don't keep up with Finnish politics in the United States, which is not outlandish to, to assume, like... Yeah. You, you don't know, and to hold you accountable for that's a little unfair. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I just thought it was funny because it like, was really funny. I saw all these like tweets and posts, and like Jim Fail Army's like, "Dang, imagine having a thousand dollars suit that you can no longer wear." The-. Or it was like it was like a picture of this like little kid with like an edited like metal squat suit yeah. holding it up for Christmas, and he goes, "Oh, honey." You can't wear that anymore. <laughs> Damn, thousand dollars on the drain. I thought I just thought it was yeah, fun. yeah. But that happened, man. And that was um, yeah. Elite FTS used to be the American distributor for metal. And yeah. the second that tweet hit, Dave Tate was like, "We've dropped metal from our website. All all outstanding orders will be refunded." And that tanked metal. Like they're, as far as I know, they're like on life support as a company. Yeah, like well, it's hard, especially when like you know you you have all these federations not allowing them, so obviously people aren't going to buy them because yeah. they want to at least get their way lights. Yeah, that powerlifting fed drama, man. That's a that's a whole other can of worms. What do you mean? Why? Well, well, I know so many of them. <laughs> well, there was this thing, and I don't know. You probably you'll know way more than I would. And this is only what I hear from like Twitter, like Instagram or TikTok. It's like because the, the, there's so many federations, and then there was this video that came out with this um, young woman, and I'm sure you've seen it. She's she's benched, she's arched all the way up, yeah, and she, 
very short bench. Very right? short bench. And people were like, well, you know, RPS wouldn't allow this or USU, USPL or and and then like the feds are like changing it up and all this kind of stuff and there was all this drama between everything. Yeah, so that's um in the USAPL and IPF, even though they're not really one and the same anymore. Um actually let me go back on that. In Powerlifting America and the IPF, yeah. uh, now they instated a rule to kind of combat people with really high bench arches I saw and like that. wide bench strokes that yeah. I believe it's that um, your elbow mm-hmm. has to get to at least 90 degrees yep. from the perspective of the head judge. Yeah. And um, it just kind of comes back to what I said earlier, like the sport's about lifting more weight. Like why are we fighting lifters who yeah. are maximizing the leverage to lift more weight? Yeah. Because guess what? Like if you're going to make that a rule – what do you say to all the sumo deadlifters who have like a three inch pole? Cause they have, you know, super long orangutan arms. Like, yep. again, they're playing to their strengths. <clears throat> yeah. So I, and I think that's fair. Honestly, it's within the realms of the rules and yeah. they went and changed the rules. So we'll see. <laughs> see, that's the one thing is, is like people always will say that like, cause we're, we're not allowed to pull sumo. Yeah. So like we, like I've seen people get no less cause they've tr- like, they are like, no, nah, you have to do it again. Get a pull conventional. But then, to your point, it's like you should be able to use your leverages. So, like for me, I'm I'm going to have two belts. I'm gonna have my soft belt, my regular belt, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have figure eights on. Yeah. So which is awesome. <laughs> so like, if I have to pull an 800 pole, like I my fingers might just barely be on the bar. Yeah. And I so like I get that. So like, and then you know, if you have like, if I'm overhead pressing, mm-hmm. like I'm gonna have you know my wrist straps on. I'm gonna have. Um, my my elbow sleeves on and yeah. you know, all that stuff and like so I get that so that's why I can't give people too much crap because if they are in like an RPS meet I'm just using them for like just shits and yeah. giggles they're in an RPS meet and they're pulling three inches if they're allowed to do it they're allowed to do it yeah so I get that I think it was a uh, Dan Green quote I could quote him where he said you know the greatest lifters will best use all of their advantages yeah so like if you've got long arms and you can get your toes out to the bar and pull, you know, a two inch deadlift with a thousand pounds, all power to you on, on the same token. If you've got like, you know, a five inch bench stroke and you're going to put on a four ply shirt and bench a grand all power to you. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like, cause at the end of the day, powerlifting, despite what some people will try and tell you, uh, it's not about who's the strongest. It's about who can lift the most weight in yeah. three specific tests. Yeah. Right. And, um, how much that has to do with strength is really debatable because how practical is something mm-hmm. like the bench press, right? Um, and again, like if you if you wanted to see who was the strongest, you could just kind of have everyone push on a force plate or grab a dynamometer, and you could True. you could test strength from Without a, a doubt, yeah. highly specific yeah. stance. Um, so I think you know when you kind of go into a lot of these feds that are restricting things like deadlift bars or certain styles of benching, like. Why are you fighting heavier weights being lifted if that's the yeah. whole point of the sport? Right? Well, that's what bothered me with the whole fat pad thing. Yeah, I was like, like, why, why, why would you have them do this if this is going to allow them to have more weight and it be safer for them too? Yeah, I just that blew my mind. So um, the only argument against the fat pad, and this is honestly fair, is smaller lifters cannot touch on them, right? Like we have, oh, uh, I didn't think about like a that. female lifter in our crew who she can't touch on a fat pad because her arms will literally hit the pad like her shoulders are that narrow about that okay Um, yeah but i think again like i mean you've already seen the uspa do it where they have i think it's like they used to at least it was like up to the 181s would use a power bar to squat and then 181 and over would use a squat bar to squat like if you could have something like that especially with a combo rack where the bench just drops in right 
or you know even some of these benches now have quick change pads and Mm -hmm. stuff like that i think it's fair and honestly it's kind of a disservice to larger lifters because gleniohumeral overhang like your shoulders hanging over the pad Mm -hmm. is is not good right you want a a stable and you know a large surface to to have your upper back seated on and again one of those things like Everyone's like, well, you can bench more weight on a fat pad. And it's like, that's kind of the fucking point, dude. It's literally the whole point of powerlifting yeah. is to bench the most weight. Like, that's, um, I, I always argue with some of, like, my, my raw lifting friends who compete in, like, the USAPL or they used to compete in USPA or whatever. And they lift on, like, a combo rack pad and they won't train on a fat pad. Because mm. they're like, it's not comp specific. And I'm like, well, you know, you just put more mileage on your shoulders. And they're like, yeah, but it's unrealistic because I can bench more on a fat pad. And it's like two things. Like, one, that's, that's the point of powerlifting. But two, like... There are feds that let you compete on one. Why yeah. don't you compete in one of them? And then they have another uh, another yeah. whole argument about that. Well, I, I I get the same thing with people who are like who do like RPS or whatever. It's like if they, and if they're not using like a, like, like a deadlift bar, yeah. they're like, well, I'll just pull like a straight bar or grab the axle bar. And I'm like, well, I know one that I'm going to be pulling on a Texas deadlift bar. Yeah. And two, why would I make it harder for myself? Yeah. Like if if I if if I don't get a text from Andrew or whatever it is or Zach for crying out mm. loud, that is like you're pulling from a straight bar today. Yeah, and like, and they're like, yeah, but like, you know, I'm pulling the true weight, and I'm not bending the bar, and I'm like, okay, I Get want you to find, horse. yeah, I want you, to, <laughs> I want you to tell me what 700 pounds feels like on an axle bar. Yeah, because yeah, it, it is, it is not, the, sucks. yeah, it sucks. Like you are, you get no help. It yeah. is an unforgiving bar. I think, um, it's interesting, right? Because people like to talk about, first of all, what isn't isn't a real sport, but yeah. powerlifting is often thrown in that mix, right? Where it's yeah. like, you know, we're a sport, and it's like. Well, every other fucking sport evolves over time. Like, yes. the football helmets today are not the same ones from 1987. No. Why the fuck are you insisting that you squat on a power bar from 1987? Mm-hmm. Like, now, granted, like, even the power bars have gotten better. But in my eyes, if there's a better way to do it, why aren't you doing it? Especially if it's going to increase, you know, safety. Like I was just going to say, and safety, yeah. The, the, like, squat bars are a pretty hot-button topic, too, right? Where, like, um, the, the Texas squat bar, that, like, thinner, whippier one, um... Uh-huh even though it's wider like that's a 55 pound bar and i think yeah. the the uspa uses that and i think the wrpf for the most part uses a 55 pound squat bar as well well like there are 65 pound squat bars we have the 65 one that's a 60 pound mastodon bar that thing's awesome um dude i but lo- like, love that well because um nas started using those now too that's incredible i think that's awesome yeah. but like again like if there's a better way you should do it especially because you know less whip and a wider bar will mm-hmm. do two things one it increases safety because there's less whip it, it's, it makes the squat a bit more stable and two it being wider allows lifters with shoulder mobility issues to get their hands so out wider. i was just gonna say i was like so like <clears throat> what so we had a we, we had an event where it was a it was a uh texas uh squat bar i don't know the the, the full name of the 65 or the 60 pound one but you had to come to platform mm-hmm. that's the two designated height so i'm like 511 so i forget the height exactly what it was and you have to touch, and they come up rep yeah. one. You've seen it on World Strongest Man, but yeah, this yeah. is just yeah. So, um, it was one of those things where I was like, I really hope it's on a power bar because, like, if yeah. I use a duffel bar, like, I still have marks because mm-hmm. I have to go wider, and it's it curved around, but I will like clip my hands. Yeah, but it's nice because I can go out as wide as I want. I could rest and, it up on my lats. And like, if you don't mind me asking, like, how much are you weighing now? I'm like three eighteen right now. Yeah, so yeah. you're like a big guy, like. Yeah. And to expect a 318-pound man to cram himself inside the confines of a power bar that, like, a 148-pound female Mm -hmm. is using, too, like, you kind of got to, you know, look at two lifters and be like, there's a difference here. We should probably try to accommodate that as best we can, right? Well, that's the whole thing with the fat pad. And that's what what bothered me. I'm like, why are you you 
not allowing because I feel like it's it's more safety. It is. You know what I'm saying? And there there are feds that are using it now. Like I believe in the IPA, Jimmy Kolb fought for the Thompson oh, Fat Pad nice. to be the comp standard. So he's that's wild. awesome. He's incredible. The fact that you get to lift with I that is one okay, this is gonna sound really stupid. I am so jealous that you get to be in the same room as him. Yeah. It's so cool. That's that's got so what is what is that like? Jimmy is the nicest guy. Um if you it's hard to explain and I to be fair, like I do this too. Like in your head when you see some of these bigger lifters, especially people who aren't big social media people, like Dave Hoff, you kind of create this like cult of personality image in your head, like this larger than life persona. That's how it was that many. Yeah. J- Jimmy is the nicest guy. Um he's he's super cool. He's super nice to talk to. He will talk to anyone. Um he's he's at our meets all the time. Um he's come down and trained with us a few times. He's from Virginia, so it's not too far of a hike for him. Um I, I have a great relationship with him. I won his uh, his scholarship last year, the Cold Strong Scholarship. That really helped me out because at the time I was working an unpaid internship. And to get that, um, that was the money that got me a new bench shirt. That was what got me to 600 pounds in a meet. So, like, things like that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have been possible without him at the yeah. end of the day. Um, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Obviously, he's, he's hands down the greatest bench presser of all time. Yeah, without, no, oh, without a doubt. Without no a doubt. contest. Um, I really don't think there's ever been anyone who's been so far ahead of the rest of the sport. Like to put it into perspective, he benched 1120 in yep. a single ply poly shirt, which I think the next highest single ply bench was like a thousand three from Blaine Sumner, and the next highest multi ply bench was, I believe, officially it was like 1075 or 1080. It was either Canelli or Mendelssohn, and he benched 1120 and. There was arguably an 1100 bench by Tiny Meeker down at York, but it was like kind of like it was like an expo, it wasn't a meet, and some people say it didn't lock out, whatever. But for all intents and purposes, regardless, yeah. Jimmy beat the multiply record in a single ply shirt, which is insane. Yeah, and at the time, uh, that was beating like band shirt numbers, which are like that new category of unlimited shirt. And oh, then he I got. I'm not familiar. They're essentially a uh, a bench shirt made out of like a stretchy knee wrap material. Oh, okay. But okay. that's that's like a new category of, of oh. extreme benching. Yeah, and I'm then, not familiar with all that. For a while, he was you know he didn't really like them. He didn't really understand them. He was like, I thought the rules said no rubber, and these have rubber in them. That yeah. was kind of where he drew the line. And he was out benching everyone using one anyway. Yeah. And then I forget who it was, but someone either got close or like chipped his 1120, and he was just kind of like, I'm gonna give these a serious shot now. And then he benched 1320. <laughs> So, holy shit! And oh now he's, he's raised the bar to thirteen fifty. So, I'll tell you the the thirteen. I believe wow. it was thirteen twenty. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But the day he broke that, I was there actually. So, that, I no, I watched the video. Yeah, so that I was that was at a York meet. Um, Ralph had brought me up there. He was like, "Hey, Jimmy's gonna bench today. I think you should come with me because he knew I won the scholarship, but he wanted it to be a surprise." So. Jimmy Kolb and Amber Hansen uh, were there, and they told me that I won, and, and Kate Kolb was there too, and it was super cool. Well, then, he, then Jimmy goes out and benches. He opened with, I think it was 1240 or 1250, which, by the way, was the heaviest bench in history at that point. Um, so he goes out there, he opens with, with over 1200. Then he comes back to the stands, and we're talking to him, and he's talking to Kate, and he's like, what do you think I should do? Because he smoked it. And she goes, Let, let's go for it. And he said, all right. And they sent 1320 to the to the board. And then he went, took 1320, smoked it, scratched his third. And um, the energy in that room was unreal to, like, like have you ever seen a 1,000-pound bench in person? No, I've never seen it in person. I mean, they're, they're becoming more commonplace now. But there's 
there's a different energy in the room when a thousand pounds is loaded on a bench bar because you're like, this could decapitate somebody. And to put 1320 on that bar, it, it was unreal. I can't even like, because I've had like 480 in my hands and yeah. like my four, like, I, I feel the weight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I can't imagine it being what that, that, that's more than triple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, even even me, like I, I, you know, I'm I'm benching over 600 now in a shirt, and that's like that's not even half of what he's. And it's like you're telling me there's dudes out here doing more than double that. It's unreal. Um, and he's, but seriously, he's the nicest guy. He's super cool. Um, that's what I've heard. He is jacked as anything. I, like I don't think I've ever seen a wider human being. That dude is honest to god, two barn doors wide. It's so impressive. Um, yeah. But it goes to show you, like that's what it takes, yeah. right? So how how far are you willing to go if yeah. you if you say that you want to do that? That's and he's wild. he's going the distance, and dude. He's, that's crazy. Yeah, because I always see his videos, and it's and it's wild to me because it's like, uh, who's Magnus? Who's the uh, the one? I can't remember his name. He has like this like wicked bench somewhere in like the sevens. It's raw. Um, Jul- uh, Julius Maddox. Maddox. Yeah, Julius Maddox. Another great bencher. Yeah. I guess Magnus from Magnus. That's yeah, strong, strong man. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, Julius Maddox. He's wicked. But it's like I see him doing the raw, and I'm. But then like, like the next couple scrolls, it's like it's him doing like thirteen hundred. I'm like, what is like? It, it's wild. To so me. here's the thing about the raw benching, right? Because if you go to any of Jimmy's videos, there's a hundred comments of people who don't really know anything about gear, and they're like, "Well, what's your raw bench? What's your raw bench?" And um. He's he's too modest to say that he'd fucking smoke anyone, but I'll I'll say it for him. Like, I have handled him at a few meets. The speed at which he moves like six hundred pounds raw in the warm up room, I've I've never seen. No, before. I, I've watched his like I think it was on it was on TikTok or something like that. Like he, I think he had like six hundred like reverse grip. Yeah, and he was just. It's like I'm a, like what the fuck? It's like a shotgun blast. Yeah. So when he the most recent time he came to Deathwish Barbell to bench with us, um. God, it was it was a while ago now. It was definitely over a year. It might have been two. Um, but he's he's warming up, and at the time he was trying to break in. I think like a multiply katana shirt, and um, he's warming up, and we got six plates on the bar, which on the bench bar is five ninety five, and he almost threw it out of his hands. And I, I, I seriously cannot describe how fast inhuman weights move, even raw with him. And then one of the craziest things you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, have you ever heard how he warms up to bench over 11 or 12 on the platform? No. So he, you know, someone had told him at one point, they're like, you know, the gear doesn't need to get warm like a muscle. If your muscles are warm, you can just kind of do whatever you want in the gear. So the first time that I ever handled him at a meet, he was at Attilus Belmar when they were still hosting RPS meets. Oh, nice. I believe he benched 1080 single ply, which at the time was a record, which is still a huge bench. It was either 1050 or 1080, something like that. But get this, so he warms up in the warm-up room, one plate, two plate, three plate, four plate, five plate, six plate, raw, reverse grip, just throwing weights. Racks it, he puts on his shirt, he takes out uh, 700, 700 something, and the shirt's so tight, he can only move it like this much. Yeah. He's floating 700. And then he goes, all right, I'm going to go out there and take my take my opener. So he made a four, uh, 380 pound jump, and he was just like, well, I'm warm, and I got my shirt on, so... He took those those reps of 700 to kind of like jam the shirt back into his armpits a little more, set it better, and he was just like, "I'm gonna go, go take it." And he does the same thing now. Like he, you know, he warm up to like seven or 800, and then he goes right out and jumps to 12 or 13. Dude, that's 
So so imagine free, like imagine putting like one thirty five on the bar, doing like a set of fifteen, and then being like, I'm gonna take four and a quarter. Like obviously there's gear involved, so it's a little different. No, but I get that, but that's, that's just that's wild unreal to dude. me. Like like if I'm squatting, it's like all right, well, six oh five felt fine. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna jump to eleven. I'm gonna jump to eleven. <laughs> like like a fifty pound jump for me is scary. Yeah, dude. Like. Because all I have on is knee sleeves, you know? And I, like, I, I mentioned a shirt. So, like, I'll, I'll tell you, like, straight up, if I went, like, you know, one plate, two plate, throwing it around, and then went to, like, six or seven, I'd probably shit myself and drop the bar on my face. Like, oh, God. I, I could not do that. The amount of That's confidence that takes. He is the, he's the greatest bench presser of all time. Yeah. There's no question about it in my mind. Um, there's, even, you know, like, you can make a good argument for people like Ryan Canelli or Scott Mendelson because yeah. they were really big benchers in their day. Like, Scott Mendelson was a huge pioneer, especially coming up through denim. Same with Sean Latimer, really great denim bencher. Um, there's a great argument for Scott Mendelson in that he's the only lifter to ever hold the equipped and raw world record at the same time. He benched, like, 10-something in a shirt and then 7-something raw, and he held the highest bench in both categories at the same time, which was insane. Um, like, that's pretty crazy, but... He was never hundreds of pounds ahead of the next nearest bencher. Yeah. Like, there's Jimmy Cole. He benched 1350 recently. That's the new record. And then the next highest is like 1140. So he's you know he's like over 200 pounds past the rest of the sport. There is no one like him, and I don't I don't know if there will ever be anyone like him that'll be that great. Holy shit! I it's it's hard to wrap my head around it because it's like I look at it as like uh, like he he holds my deadlift. More than wait, hundreds of pounds more than my yeah. deadlift in his arms. Like like you go, he was throwing six hundred pounds. I'm like, some days I wake up with six hundred pounds in my arms. Like Oh my god, dude. Yeah, it's it's and heavy. I, and it's That's like it's like eight, it's, it's like eight in the morning and I gotta pull it. I'm like in my fifth round, I'm like, dude, I'm tired. And yeah. he's just yoinking it. Yeah. And the, the crazier one of the craziest things he does is he um you know what a slingshot is? Oh yeah, yeah. So there's there's a stronger version of that that Rob Farrell makes called the Widowmaker, and that's the guy who makes the the F8 band shirts. And he uh, he puts on a Widowmaker, and he'll do like a thousand for twenty. Oh, I've seen them. It's it's, it's like, unreal. It's, they, look, they look like cuffs. And it's like a thing. bench band. Yeah, yeah. I've seen and, that. Um, I've seen them. Use but it's that. like, dude, I've used one of those. And first of all, I can never get them to work. Like I. I, I just eat shit with them constantly. Like I, I, I'm not good with them. I don't know why. Um, my, my raw bench is is not that bad, and my shirt bench is pretty good. What's your Anything, raw bench? I'm creeping towards four raw, oh. which is which will be cool for me because that'll be the first time I've had like a two x body weight raw bench because I weigh about two hundred. Damn. Um, God, you're gonna. Catch I took to me, bro. Three ninety five is... off a of one board raw not too long ago, and Damn, I took nice. four fifteen off a of two board yeah. raw just Tuesday, and uh, neither of them were that that hard. Yeah. So I'm pretty confident I could get close to four raw soon um it's just kind of like a side quest for me while i'm waiting on a new bench shirt to come in dude but. i'm closing your side quest forget to the boss so so one of the things that i was always curious about was um now i saw with like uh pete grahowski i, I hope i pronounced his last pronounce his last name right he's an amazing guy fucking love him incredible bencher too um why do you guys cut the back of your shirts i think i asked this before but oh, I, but okay. i noticed like um people will get the shirts and i've seen what they look like yeah and then like Three weeks later, I see the same dude, and he's got he's because Pete doesn't do he's got like grocery bags from like Redner's in his thing, <laughs> and his back is wide open, and they're just like, all right, bro, and then he's just far hand over, and I'm like, what? Like, so why do you? So 
Pete's another great guy, really humble. I, Pete was a great mentor for me for years when I was first getting into shirts and I was still lifting at Jim and Tan. He helped me a ton. Uh, I still will say to this day, he's the only reason I ever touched my Evil Twin Ben shirt because he knows Titan shirts so well. Um, now, he's in single ply, so he wears a closed back shirt. The, <laughs> the grocery bags, um, so they're really thin and they slide over each other. That helps you get the shirt over oh, your okay. skin so some people will put baby powder on their arms i have what's called a suit slickers it's almost like you know like girls like yoga pants or leggings yeah it's like a yoga pant that slides over your arm so you can get the shirt uh, up if it's tight because um, it doesn't it doesn't want to move over your skin very well yeah, yeah, um yeah. now the open back that's something that came about in multiply uh it does a few things one it makes a shirt easier to get into because you have a closed back you kind of have to like hockey jersey it mm-hmm. and um i if you're not familiar with a bench shirt, it's very stiff. It's very hard to get into. Um, it does not stretch very much. So especially when they're made out of like canvas and denim, really hard. And sometimes people would have to cut you out of them. The open back makes it so you can just put your arms in and pull it into you. Now, the other thing the open back does is because the shirt's no longer like a closed circuit, you can move each side independently and you can set it differently, and the back won't contort it. So one of the big things that did back in the day was it allowed people to start benching off the collar instead of the chest plate because you could pull the collar lower. Um, that was that was a big thing. I believe uh, Metal Militia was the one who started cutting the backs of their shirts open um, and, allow, and benching off the collar oh. um, back in the day with, with Bill Crawford. Dude, I'm learning was, so much right now. It, I, I think the history of gear is fascinating. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff to it, and, like, the little things you can do to it to get more out of it. Like Pete told me something that stuck with me once, and he said, you know, the greatest leaps and bounds you will make in your shirt come not from getting stronger but understanding the shirt better yeah. and getting better with technique. So learning how to set the shirt differently, learning like he in Titan shirts, like twisting the sleeves to pull the chest plate different ways and yeah. insert shirts pulling the collar down uh, and like ruffling the sleeves and stuff like that. So those little things really matter. Yeah. And – um. You know, if you're someone who doesn't like a lot of variables, then gear's probably not for you. Yeah. But if you like to tinker and like play with things, then there's a lot you can do in gear to get a lot out of it. Fuck. Like, you'll never in a raw meet, you know, have someone be like, "Hey, why don't you like tuck your elbows a little bit more mm-hmm. and hit a 50 pound PR?" Yeah. But if you, you know, if you show up to a meet and someone's like, you know, like, "Hey, I know this shirt really well. Why don't you try doing this? You can hit a 50 or 100 pound PR that day." So like. Two, three years ago, um, at Christmas Carnage, I was about to bomb out for the second time because not only did I miss my first two squats and only get it on the third, although that was less my fault and more like sending in the wrong monolith tight and the RPS monoliths being weird. Um, I was, so I got missed a squat, missed a squat, hit a squat. I'm in the meat. Good. Right. Uh, It was not the squat I wanted to hit. It sucked. Uh, Then I could have to bench. This is my bread and butter. Missed a bench, missed a bench, about to go for my third bench. Well, Sean Latimer's there, and he, you know, great uh, denim bencher. He was known as a denim destroyer, but, you know, he benched over nine. He also was part of the development process for the Inzer Super Duper Phenom, which oh, was the shirt that I was okay. wearing. Oh, great. And so you have to hit this. He, he yeah. comes up to me, said, you know, I said, he's like, so what's going wrong out there? And I said, you know, like, I feel like I need more tricep. And he's like, oh, well, you build that in the gym. And I was like, no, no, but like, more tricep support in the shirt and he goes all right come here put your arms out and he grabs the seam that's kind of cut over the sleeve and just drags it down to like the lower head of my tricep and i feel the line that i was trying to explain to my handler to set 
and I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah. And then I went out there and I smoked it. I smoked like it was a warm up. So uh, you, that is that's an incredible story because you just you just saw the person who helped develop the shirt. Yeah. And not only did he was like, yo, what's what's going on? Instantly fix it. Like yeah. that's like there, there's little things like that that happen, right? And I think bench shirts are a great example of that. Like the that's the bench and gear is such a highly complex lift. Yeah. Even raw, it's a really complex movement because there's a lot going on. Yeah. But when you when you throw the shirt on over top of it, and especially when you go into different shirts fitting differently, different shirts being cut different, yeah. like benching off of different parts of shirts, like the chest plate versus the collar. Like there's just so much you can go into and you can really manipulate it to how you are as a lifter. It's just, this is so wild to me. Cause like I've like, I remember that there was, there was a point where I was like, I'm getting smoked out. Like I'm yeah. talking like I hit a 725 on a deadlift and the next guy's I'm watching him like getting hung up. On the back of like <laughs> the, the the meat facility, and he's like dangling there, getting into a deadlift suit, and then yeah, pulls you guys like wear a lot of gear in strongman. Yeah, and, and and they and they pull like nine fifty, and I'm like, and then what? Now I have to make up all my points yeah. in like a pressing event or like a moving event. It's pretty funny. The deadlift suit. There's a very classic like uh, I, God, I've done this more times than I can count, and I every time I look back, I'm like, I'm such an idiot, but. It's a, it's a very classic case of like a deadlift moves well, and then you're like, give me more strap. And you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna crank my straps tighter and I'm gonna uh-huh. pull like a 50 pound PR. Then you get out there and by the time you get to the bar, your spine's bent like a cashew and you can't get it off the floor. Yep. Like it's it, it happens all the time. Um, so it's one of those you know you have to be strong enough to use the gear that you're in yeah, and how yeah. you're setting it right. Oh God. So what is it? What is it like getting into a deadlift suit? It's awful, dude. It's terrible. It's deadlift suits sense. hurt. They suck. Um. They crunch your uh, they crunch your junk up pretty bad. So I've heard when you crank the straps. Have you ever been in one? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I thought about I thought about getting one. You should. I I've th- I've thought about it. I'm in the same boat. Do I want to spend five six hundred dollars on a deadlift suits? Aren't that expensive? They're they're, they're, they're cheaper. They're I've thought, like I I never looked into them, but I mean you can I, go on Facebook Marketplace, dude. Because. <sighs> Lot, lot of, lot of big powerlifters out there. There are a lot of super heavyweights too. So you, you will have no shortage of gear to find. That's true. I just, it, it's, it's weird because a lot, a lot of the guys that I compete with or train with, or whatever, they don't use suits. Yeah. Like, you know, like I know, like Scott, like people do. I just like, it's one of those things where they always tell me like reach, reach your peak, and then mm-hmm. if you need this, do, do this. But I also just, I don't know if I want to like. Well, I don't know if I want to just have it just like because I would. Ah, my balls, my my leg. Yeah, here's what I'm gonna tell you. It it's it hurts. It's a lot of pressure. But the thing that you have to to realize with gear is it doesn't make you strong. It makes you stronger, right? Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's a skill thing, right? You have to be strong enough to use that equipment. You have to be able to manipulate that equipment, and that takes practice. And it's gonna take you a long time to learn. That's what you said. So. Yeah. I'm not going to say, like, get a deadlift suit and, you know, throw one on and, and just load put it on a plate on the bar. But, like, they're worth looking into. And especially if you're allowed to use one, why would you not. set yourself a step back from the rest yeah. of the competition, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But also, like, a lot of people, you know, especially in gear, they pull more raw than they do in a deadlift suit. So that's something to consider, too. Yeah. And well, that's, that's another terrifying thing with that investment is you could get it and you could pull less than you pull raw. Yeah. How much does that suck, dude? Because now you've you've crushed your junk. And you've blown out all the blood vessels in your face just to pull a plate and a half less than what you could pull raw because you can't get in a position. Oh, great. Now I'm worried. <laughs> that's just that's just what I need to. Oh, because USS Nats are. <sighs> See, now, because I watch all these guys 
And I'm like, all right, well, I see one, I see two, I see three, I see four. And I'm like, I know, I just, that's, it, it's, it sounds so dumb. And everyone gives me crap for it, but I'm just, I, I just know it's like one event. Cause like climbing up to an 800 raw deadlift's just been, it just seems so, so far. It's tough. It's yeah. Tough. And I, um, I, I know, like, I know exactly what you're thinking too. And like what everyone thinks is like, uh, you know, Oh, I, I put this thing on and I I bench like 300 pounds more than I bench raw, right? And it's like, well, it's not that easy. And like, unfo- unfortunately, if it was that easy, like yeah. everyone would probably do it because it's fun. But like, I think Anthony Oliveira talked about it. How like you know he picked up on on equipped squatting really quick, but yeah. he put on a bench shirt and he was like yeah. nearly killing himself to bench like 50 yeah. pounds less than he bench raw. And he was just like, I I couldn't do anything. Like, and it it just it it takes a long time to learn it's it's hard and nobody wants to nobody wants to say that though dude i don't it's so <laughs> it's so freaky because all i all i want to do is just to go to a meet and not have to like look at it and be like okay well if we're doing ukrainian deals i know i can like be able to like take a like, yeah. top 3 or whatever it is and i'm sure it's the same way with you. you you look at the people that you have in your brackets and you're like well i know this guy's going to pull in nines i know this guy's going to bench in sixes yeah so do you ever do that do you ever like look at the people in your bracket and you're like all right well this is how I'm going to plan out my, my, my pushes, my pulls. Um, I mean, I would if I, like, had competition at my meets. Like, the unfortunate thing is, you know, I wouldn't say multiply is a dying breed, but it just, like, never really grew. Like, there's not – there's just not that many multiply lifters out there. Yeah. So, when you go into a local meet and I'm competing, you know, open 198 multiply – drug tested like there's no there's nobody else doing that like it's just me in my division so but even if there was like i'm not necessarily worried about winning the meet like i view uh open powerlifting as the great equalizer because powerlifting is a consistent and numerical sport it's very easy to be like this guy benches more than this guy and this guy benches more than him like Mm -hmm. it's easy to see that and you i can look at open powerlifting i can see exactly where i stack up against all of multiply history and i look at those numbers and i say okay i want to be at the top of this list someday so yeah. what are the steps I need to take to get there, right? That's good. Not many and people think like that either. I I just think, you know, a lot of people try to overcomplicate it. And it's like, you know, like I'm looking at the 198 record board. The all-time world record is like 900 from yeah. Jason Coker, which I'm, I'm nowhere close to. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm still in a poly shirt. What am I trying to get to? Well, I think like 660 will get me to the top 100 and yeah. like 720 will get me to top 50. So it's like yeah. these are ways I can start to climb the leaderboard. Now, obviously, you have to train to get yes. to those places. Yes. But when you start to break it down like that, it's like, okay, well, I benched six ten at my last meet, and my shirt's starting to wear out, but I'm getting a new shirt, so I've also my raw bench has gotten a lot stronger. Hopefully, I can push me to a higher number. And now you're like, okay, I I see how it's laid out, how I can yeah. get to these higher numbers, right? Um, and you start to understand like, this is what my two board's gonna have to look like. This is what my floor press is gonna have to look like. This is what these numbers are gonna have to get to. And once I realize that that web has formed mm-hmm. of strength, I'm primed to hit this number. Right, oh, dude, your 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 brain processes about this is just it's beautiful, and like I, I don't think you know this. Like, like a lot of a lot of kids your age, I mean even my age, especially me too, don't always think like that. I'm just I'm just always looking at the big picture, not breaking everything down. And Andrew's giving me so much shit about that plenty of times. Yeah. but it like, and that's one of the reasons I want to have you on too. Is there's so Thank many you. things people can learn from you? Like, even Thank me, you. even me. I'm I'm a raging idiot. I go, I go, I am. That's what I say. Like people, oh. get, like I'll show you my DMs. People are like, oh, how do I do this? And I'm like, I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I don't know who shit. Um, Roman, how do you how do you use how do you use your legs? I basically just Larson pressed my feet planted to the floor. That's all. <laughs> That's really what it is. And then, but 
Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. Don't worry, that won't. That no, won't you're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I don't know. I just I I quickly got like fascinated by it, and I started reading more about it. Yeah. But like, and the two biggest pieces of advice I can I can give anyone is read about it because there are books about it. Yeah. And the recommendations I would have is mostly Russian literature or West Side stuff. That's just the flavor of the sport that you know brought me more success and that I yeah. like. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is like talk to people who are better than you surround yourself with people who are better than you you look at my crew i'm easily the weakest guy in that gym and that's that's the way i want it right yeah um I, you and i talked about that you and i talked about that like if a you're while ago. if you're the strongest yeah. person in your crew or in your gym you need to find a new crew or a new gym because you're not going to grow there yeah right i agree um but you got to understand like the the hierarchy too mm-hmm. right like you got to know your fucking place yeah um now you know like we've I guess we got to a point where, like, I, you know, I'm starting to be able to give some more input. I've been around long enough of our crew where, like, I'm starting to see what we, like, I know, you know, when to tell certain people this or that. So that's good. But you, yeah. it all comes with time. You learn, right? But uh, I do, I do understand, like, it's very intimidating to to join a crew or join a group of people, yeah. especially when they're all stronger than you and they don't know you anything. Right? Well, see, I love that. I love, I love people who are stronger than me because you need I competition. Right? I well, so that that's why that's why that's why I feed off of. Yeah, like that's why I loved strongman because like. I, I have like because I and this it sounds so meatheadish, but it's like I see like a bigger guy in the gym like I wonder what he's benching and like it yeah. happened the one day the guy was so cool but we're benching and then like I see like all right I'm I'm on like three sixty five and I'm like all right he did it for three two like, all right yeah what's my jump now here's another another then, concept that I think is important to that is humanizing big weights yeah right like when I was first getting into gear like a seven hundred squat was like a a long term goal for me. Well, I came to Deathwish, and I, you know, I beat that pretty quick. But yeah. part of that you was did what? you did seven, <laughs> seven seventy in my last. It was high. Oh yeah, it was I high. It was but... high. Listen, they counted it, so I'll count it. Yeah, I'll... listen, I it's rude to not accept a gift in most cultures, so I'll take it. Right, Never look, um, uh, a prize horse in the mouth, gift horse in the mouth. What, what, <laughs> something what is... like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, listen. I'll I'll squat more deeper. It's not the last thing I'm gonna do. I'll I'll clean it up. But I I got lucky. That's all. And you, you get lucky. You take it in stride, and you, you move on. But, um. To see every single week that everyone there was loading seven, eight, nine hundred pounds on the bar to squat, it makes you realize like, oh, this ain't shit, mm-hmm. right? And then you're like, I can do that. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, the same thing when I came to Deathwish, I had a four fifty bench, and to see everyone there constantly over five, I'm like, people, this is possible, right? Well, that's how I felt about the seven hundred deadlift. And then you I start was so excited, people. and then it's like. Rick's pulling this, or Andrew's mm-hmm. pulling this, or Scott's taking eight hundred for a ride of like twenty. Yeah, and then I'm like, "Fuck." Scott's a great puller. He is yeah. a great puller. Really, real wealth of knowledge too. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. Um, I always feel bad picking his brain because he like I was always training for something big, and the last thing I think he wants is like some 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 semi person who thinks he's cool. <laughs> hey, how do I do this and not die? You know, no, like, he's nice. He's he just is, quiet. He he's is, nice though. Yeah, he's a great guy. But yeah, it. it Humanizing big weights is an important step if you want to, yeah. if you want to like, like pursue that. that. Like that's the best way I can put it because you know like you're wearing a West Side shirt, so I, I'm always thinking of like Louis. Like he always says, you know, rum, yeah, rest in peace. But he's always like, you know, run with a lame, you'll catch a limp, right? Like yeah. so, if you if you train around a bunch of suck lifters, guess what? You're probably gonna fucking suck. Yeah. But if you train around people who are good, it's gonna rub off eventually. Yeah. And the other thing at, at West Side, I know they always used to talk about like Dave Tate still talks about it all the time where. As a better lifter in the gym, it is your responsibility to bring up those below you. Yeah. So when you, you know, if you're training and, you know, you got a crew, a newer guy comes in, he's weaker, 
you want to take him under your wing because yeah. a few things. One, if you can make him stronger, that shows your success and proficiency, not only as a lifter, but as a coach. Yeah. Um, which if you're in a crew, you should be striving to be good enough to be able to help those around you as they help you. Mm -hmm. um, but two, it provides someone who then gets stronger that can push you. So it makes both of you better. That's true. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So like, you know, if one of my training partners benches less than me, guess what? It is my top priority to bring his bench up because it then gives me someone else to push me. Yeah. Right. So like, there's like a lighter lifter in our crew or, you know, even like a bigger lifter who's just not good in his shirt yet. Like it is my goal to raise his proficiency in the shirt or, you know, or yeah. the other thing is like he may be, he may not be as good in the shirt as me, but he's stronger than me raw. Yeah. So I'm always picking his brain about what to do raw and I'm trying to catch him raw. Right. Like that's a big goal for me is to catch him raw. Catch the shirt. But then we put on the shirt and it's like, how can I help him? Yeah. Right. Or like, what I can that. I do or what can we do? And, you know, we, we've been blessed. We have some, we have some highly proficient lifters in our crew. Yeah. Um, like Tim Gale has benched 800 in a single ply. So he's, we're always deferring to him. <laughs> he's a great lifter. Um, we, you know, we have some great squatters in our gym. <sighs> Ralph has become a great squatter and, you know, Alex, yeah. you know, was a really good squatter when he was lifting in gear with us and a great puller for that matter. So it's, yeah. it's all people to feed off of. If you can yeah. make it out to any kind of crew as much as you can, it, you're never going to benefit from anything more. Yeah. So, so wrapping this whole thing up, I always ask everyone this question, and I think it's really important out there because I think a lot of people I know have been hitting you up. People ask me like, what, what, what should I do? Like, how do you work your programs and things like that? You know, um, what would you say to someone who is just coming in the gym for the first time? And and I'm not talking about like an LA Fitness. I'm not talking about mm. like a Planet Fitness. I'm saying like a, like a gym in tan. I'm saying like a like a like a, a real gym. Stand, a Death Wish Barbell, yeah. a big mill of a training facility. What would you tell them if that's the gym they chose to walk into the first time? Don't be scared and uh, closed mouths don't get fed. Zach told me that. Like if you holy, that's a yeah. oh my. If God. you don't ask questions, then people aren't going to answer them. Holy so. shit, that was the wow. Zach told me that and. Every time I, I talk to Zach, he'll drop a one-liner that, like, changes my entire perspective on life. And I, I, I'm sure you have the same experience with him. Well, yeah, especially yeah. now with the benching on Sundays. The, he, he, I remember one time I was at a meet, and I said, you know, oh, Curtis Miller and Casey Williams were there. They're two great, you know, yeah, raw yeah, lifters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, did you talk to him? And I said, well, no, they were handling the lifter. I didn't want to bother him. And he just said, closed mouths don't get fed. And I immediately <sighs> knew what he meant, and I was like – Okay, so anytime good. I see a big lifter at a meet now, because most of these people are actually nice. And as long as they're not lifting and you're not interrupting them, yeah. they'll talk to you. I've never met an ass. Well, that's not true. I have. But like, <laughs> not like, not not the one that I've like walked up to and was a dick to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually it goes back to Jimmy Cole. That's why he's such a great ambassador for the sport. He's not an asshole, right? Damn. So a lot of these people like that, they're not going to be mean to you. If you're, if you're looking to get strong and you want to go to like a proper, you know, strength oriented gym, like, Holy be ready shit. to ask questions. Be ready to listen. Be ready to uh, to to learn, really, and you you will, as long as you open yourself to it. Dude, that that is a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> Close mouths, do not get fed. Dude, you are a wealth of knowledge. We're gonna have to do this again, but absolutely, we, we did an hour. Was it really an hour? That's an that hour. Flew we by. just we just hit an. Hour. I know. I wanted to, try to keep it to an hour. Felt I like, like twenty I, minutes, dude. I know, <laughs> dude. Th this was like that's what I'm saying. When I when I that's why I really want to like. I'm glad I reached out to you because I knew we were just going to just – because even before right this – Oh, we my. Were we were for, probably I talking had, for like 40 minutes. We, yeah. yeah we, were, we were just going at it. It was great. And I was like, all right, we got we, we, we have to start this because he's mm. absolutely just dropping nuggets. <laughs> and I'm like – because I think it's important because um, – not to like let this run more, but 
people always reach out to, I know, I'm sure they reach out to you, reach out to me, and, you know, it's good, because I always, I'm like, yo, listen, li- listen to Roman, listen to, like, Kelly that I just had on, or, like, some Zat Mary's on, like, li- like, listen to him, like, these guys mm-hmm. are really smart, and you'll learn a lot of different stuff, Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to have, like, un- an unadulterated conversation about, like, things like that, but. For what it's worth, if you're struggling with your bench, I am very easy to reach at RPE, FML, I will answer oh, yeah. pretty much any DMs. Yeah, say, uh, say all your, so I'm gonna put, it's gonna get put up live. Yeah, there's. So. There's a few things I ought to plug. Just, you know, people who have helped me. Uh, Deathwish Barbell Official on Instagram. That's our crew. Great group of people in, in, in Delco. Um, Colb Strong Scholarship. That's Jimmy's scholarship. If you have extra cash to donate, that's a, that's a really great um, a great thing that they're doing there uh, that helped me a lot when I needed some cash. And it's it's a scholarship fund that's directed at helping athletes in the high school and collegiate level afford um, meets, gear, stuff like that. Um I, I was very lucky to be far, part of the first class of athletes to win that. My Instagram for training is just RPE FML. I you can reach me anytime if you got any questions. That's just kind of the harbor for all of my my lifting stuff. Um, yeah, that's really all. All right. Thank you very much for having me on, bud. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.